You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Okay, oh, good morning. Uh, well, it's been already quite some said about me, so I'm not going to say too much because that will take time of uh, my preaching. Um, but I'm very excited to be here. I feel uh, uh, honored that I can uh, speak here this morning. And uh, besides that, I love to share from the Word. I uh, also see this opportunity to grow in the, my passion to share the Word. So thank you for, uh, for allowing me to be here. Uh, I would love to start with a, with a story which I, uh, I always remembered. Um, to give you a tiny bit of context, that uh, this happened uh, in 2014, 2016. I, I joined an organization, some of you might know, it's called Operation Mobilization. It's a mission organization, and I joined. Uh, part of the ministry is the ship's ministry. So they have a ship, simply put, which sails around the world and basically wants to share uh, the gospel of Jesus, the love of Jesus with uh, yeah, all the people they meet on their way. Uh, and this was mainly in, in uh, Southeast Asia. So it's, it's for the people who don't know, it's a ship uh, that's pretty decent size. It's around 300 to 400 people on board from 40 to 60 different nationalities. So you have a beautiful community living together very intensely. They all live on the ship. You, you eat together, you sleep. Uh, and often we would have uh, uh, guest speakers at Sunday service on board. And this time I remember there was an African pastor uh, and he, he shared a story with us. Uh, and uh, I always remember that and I thought it, it fits somehow with the theme which what I wanted to share uh, with you today. Um, so the story went as follows. He shared there was a, a group of people uh, on the beach uh, and they saw not too far away, they saw a ship. Uh, yeah, they could see it, but it was definitely too far to uh, swim to. But they could see the ship was in need and the people on board it as well because the ship was uh, sinking. Uh, so they were like, okay, we need to do something. So they, as a group of people, decided we need to start this rescue mission to get out there and, and help them. Um, so quickly into that process, when they thought of doing that, people in the group, they decided, you know what, but we need to make sure that when they're on land, that we have food prepared for them, we have drinks because they're very thirsty, dehydrated. So let's make sure we organize that as well. Others started to, to make, uh, make a fire because they might be wet and uh, they needed heat, get blankets together. Another group was saying, okay, we need to organize already transport because at some point they have to go to where they wanted to go. People started to build shelters because they needed uh, to have shelter, you know, to sleep at night. So they were all doing this, all these things. And doing all of that, they sort of forgot about the thing they actually were supposed to do or the most important thing even though all those things by itself were important and good, uh, but actually forgot to go out and, and go out and help the people, you know, actually drowning. Um, so you could say they got distracted. And the, the point the pastor wanted to make uh, towards us at that po moment uh, as a community, uh, you know, being out there, wanting to share the gospel with the people around the world. But he saw also, you know, also in that you can quickly, uh, you know, get distracted by all those Side things, you know, which are not bad by themselves, but might distract you from the, the main thing. And without explaining it all further, I think it's a good thought to 
to hold on to uh, for the yeah the theme I wanted to share about. And uh, as Sean shared uh, last week, uh, we just got told, okay, you can share what's what you want. Uh, and I got learn of thought, and I think it works to to share something which is closer to your heart. And I feel at this moment God has been working on me on the theme of being being busy. And I notice, and I, I think some of you might uh, uh, relate to that. Uh, I hope so, that I'm not the only one, but I think I'm not. And it started to annoy me, especially the last year. I started to see a pattern of that when people ask me how I'm doing, that my answer often involves uh, busy, druk. You know, I'm saying, well, I'm doing good, but busy. I had a, had a busy week, busy weekend, a full schedule, uh, lots of things to do but I'm good. Um, and I started to see that this was not not something which I would say like uh, once in a while, but actually most of the times it would be busy in my life or I, I would feel busy. Uh, and um, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about it and I've seen like, okay, you know, I, yeah, realizing that thinking back, it's not just been the last year, but I think the last years where I've often been saying that, and somehow the pattern doesn't seem to change. And speaking for myself, I think it's uh, part of my own, uh, I could say I have sort of a love-hate relationship with being busy. I think it's maybe part of my character. I like to do things. Uh, I like to be busy. I find it hard to sit still. Uh, so I like to do things. I like to feel productive, going out and things. But at the same time, I start to realize more and more also the... Uh, negative consequences of it. I start to feel more often uh, now pressured. Okay, you have to do this. Uh, I feel sometimes a bit lift. Maybe people feel like that as well. A bit geleefd worden. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, maybe it causes also more worries, more stress, because you're always full in your head. And you're always thinking of the next thing. And as I said, I think um, Personally, even if you maybe don't feel as much busy, I think we all can sort of acknowledge that we live in a, in a very fast-paced world, especially nowadays, uh, with lots of distractions, lots of things going on. And it can be work. You know, it could be working 60 hours a week. It can also be that you don't work as much, but that you still have your planning filled, filled all to the whole of the week, maybe the month. And, and I always know especially maybe here in the, in, the, in the West and in the Netherlands maybe even more, and maybe even more in the West of the Netherlands, Amsterdam, Amstelveen. And now my wife uh, from Scotland then, she quite often uh, uh, says, you know, what she doesn't like about the Dutch is that they plan so much. You know, we love our datenprikker and uh, we want to get together with our friends, but we first have to fill this in. You know, there's not much spontaneous stuff going anymore because you might not uh, be available and uh, I think, you know, there's something good in it. I think it's not completely bad to plan, but I think it's something we could think of. And I've not, not even talked about uh, the whole social media, which can also make us feel busy and the youth growing up with it, you know, making sure that we're up to date with our Instagram and our TikTok and uh, Facebook and make sure we answer all the WhatsApp messages and uh, we, we have all the social activities. So I believe even in the, uh, you know, in the rest, if we have a weekend, uh, we might already have to fill it up. You know, you might already sit here and think, I'm going to watch Formula One soon. You know, and uh, that's certainly me. Uh, but, uh, 
now I think already of things I'm doing, and I don't say it's all bad, but I feel like even when I have time to relax, how often do I then go to Jesus, or do I just sit on the couch and then turn on Netflix, and that's my place to, to relax, or go on my phone, or go to the gym, or have social activities, weddings, birthdays, everything. And I've been wondering about it a lot, and thinking, what does God think of all of that? What does God think of this fast-paced living? You know, it's, it's the world we're living in, so we cannot just get rid of that. But how can we stand in that as Christians? What does He expect from us? What can we uh, yeah, do about it? Or what, what, what does He say about it? What does His Word say about it? And I felt I had many different ways I could go through. One of them was uh, talking about, uh, you know, uh, the Shabbat. Uh, and uh, I do feel I'm raised a bit more uh, in the tradition, Reformed tradition, where it's very important to keep the Sunday rest, and I hated it as a kid because I wasn't allowed to do certain things. Uh, but now I sort of envy my parents a bit in how they have a real day of rest. So I could have gone into that. I'm not going to do that, but I think it's a, it's a good thing of thought. Like, how do we... You know, what do we do with the special holy day God created? Like, he didn't create it for nothing. But then I found another passage which I think can um, give, give us maybe some insight and thought of what Jesus uh, says about this. And this is in the Gospel of Luke, uh, from chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Uh, which I would like to read first, uh, so we all have a bit of an understanding of what's going on. And then I uh, explain a little bit more and then yeah, look at the, the three different persons we see there. So it's Jesus encountering Martha and Mary and ma mainly encountering Martha. Uh, Mary is obviously there, very important, but she, she doesn't speak. Um, so, but let's read it, uh, read, it, read it together. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So, just to give a, a little bit of information, Luke, this is actually the only time we can read in the, in the Gospel of Luke about Martha. It's never mentioned uh, before or after. Uh, luckily, we have the Gospel of John, where we know from John 11 and John 12 that there's at least three encounters with Martha and Mary over there as well. And there we also know from that they were, besides that they were sisters from each other, that Lazarus, uh, and you might know, the man who Jesus raised from the dead, is uh, their brother as well. And we can see that he's involved in those stories. In this case, we don't read about him. It could be that he was here, uh, but in this point, what Luke wants to make, it's not as important. Um, so we do know a bit more about Martha. Uh, we know that Jesus at that point, in, in talking about John, he calls them and he loves them. So there's an intimate relationship with all three of them. He loves all three of them. Uh, and this was around uh, later on. So you can say that the, the what we read here in Luke, this is chronologically the first time 
of what we know. So we know of three accounts. This was the first time. Um, and we don't know at this point how intimate their friendship relationship was. They obviously somehow know Jesus. They invite, uh, Martha invites uh, him and his disciples in, in her home. Uh, but we don't know how this relationship developed. And it could have been that this encounter sort of made that stronger. Um, so that. So if we look at the, at the uh, three persons and the conversation, what happened? I would like to start with uh, Martha. Uh, and to look at, I would say, the main character of this passage, um, of what is happening. So Jesus and his disciples are entering a village. From John, we know that that village is Bethany, which is like a couple, like three kilometers from Jerusalem. Uh, and they enter that village. And there is a woman named Martha. And she opened her home. So most probably she was the, the older sister. Uh, we don't know exactly what's happened uh, in that time, it wasn't really common that women would live by themselves, so it could be that she was a widow, uh, and we could, it could be a chance that she was quite well off, since she was able to host uh, Jesus and all of his disciples. Um, so would we read that she opened her home. And Luke is uh, really straight to the point. There's not much like going around, and this was her home, etc. And then he straight goes uh, to Mary. Uh, she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Back to Martha, but, and, and that's what Luke writes, and I think you can already say Luke obviously knows the story from later on, so it's sort of a negative connotation. Mary was listening, uh, but Martha was distracted. She was distracted. Distracted with what? Um, distracted by all the preparations she had to be making for Jesus and his disciples. And uh, generally speaking, you would think, well, that's, that makes sense. You know, she's hosting Jesus and his disciples. She obviously wants to be so-called, you can say, to put the character in a frame, like a good host, a super host, make sure everything is taken care of, they, all ha they have all what they need. Um, Luke, but Luke already sort of hints on, that's not really, really good. But we could think, and see that as well, that she was thinking, I'm making here, this is what is expected, you know. First of all, I'm the host, so I should host, I should make sure everything is uh, good. Uh, and secondly, uh, put it in that context, that was also more expected, socially expectations, you could say, of a woman to host, to make serve, to make sure everything is taken care of. So she was doing what she thought was expected and which was good, especially also in that times, serving as the best she could do. So she was like, so why is my sister lazy, I don't know what, sitting there at Jesus' feet, just listening, while I have to do all this work? And you can somehow see, I find it interesting, see very boldly goes up to Jesus and actually sort of commands him, like, if somebody can get her helping, it's Jesus, uh, goes up there and tells Jesus, uh, tell her to help me in a commanding way. Now, we, lo we know from the answer of Jesus that she obviously was frustrated. You can feel the frustration, that's what Jesus also says. You are worried and you're upset. So you're making worries about all the things which you have to do as a host, and you're upset about your sister not helping you. Uh, and instead of what she expects of an answer, Jesus gives a completely different answer and says, no, this is actually, uh, in this case, you actually didn't choose the right thing. Mary chose the right thing. And um, to put it in a frame, as I said, you could say, 
yeah, she was doing what was she thought was okay, and Jesus sort of crushes her thought and says, no, in this case, uh, you didn't make the right choice, especially not being frustrated and worried about it. So going to Mary, which she doesn't say anything, but we can just read two things, which basically, one, she decided to sit at Jesus' feet. It seems somehow that she did help in the beginning, because uh, Martha is saying, she let me... Uh, yeah, she left me to do the work by myself. So most probably she, she might have been helping before. And then later on decided, you know, I think this is enough. And I want to hear what this man has to say because that's way more important. So I'm going to sit at his feet, front row. And I want to hear everything this man has to, to tell. And that's what she chose. And you could say she's going against the social expectations, especially in those times. As a woman, instead of serving, sitting at the feet of Jesus as close as possible. We know from the pastor Paul, uh, who says he was a student at the feet of the rabbi Gamaliel. So students of rabbis would sit at the feet. They were the ones, and as we all know, they were all men, sitting at the feet of the rabbi, listening. And she was the one claiming that spot, because she wanted to be a student. And you can, you can sort of feel the, the hunger she has for him, to what he has to say. So she goes against that, and we know from later on, from John 12, this is the same Mary who pours over perfume over Jesus' head and washes his hair. And when Jesus, uh, when, when the disciples around him tell her off, like, why are you wasting this? And sort of being angry for her as a woman to get into there and doing that, Jesus embraces that. And, and also in this case, you could see Jesus embraces it. But this is... This Women is going against the social expectations or the worldly obligations, however you want to call them, because she knows there is something good in doing that. And not because she wants to be rebellious, but I think because she knows that Jesus has something uh, very special and important to say. So, from Jesus, coming to the, the answer of Jesus and the response, which I think is the, the core of the message, uh, first of all, like I said, I think it's very interesting to see how Jesus responds to the both of them. Uh, first of all, to Mary, which we read about, he allows her to sit there. Uh, and, and looking at the Gospel of Luke, which I think Luke tries to emphasize on even more, is throughout his Gospel, is to embrace and shows uh, how much he loves the oppressed and the marginalized of those times, uh, which were, uh, let's say, women as well, sick people, tax collectors, and he embraces that. And Luke points that out all the time. And as well here, he doesn't send her away. He doesn't tell her, oh, you can't sit here. He allows it. And that's the same when I said already about the perfume. He allows her uh, to do that and tells off the disciples and says, no, this is completely fine. So that's his love towards her, knowing that she, the choice she made. Um, towards Martha, she also doesn't get angry and doesn't, uh, you know, ignore her or tells her off, like, why are you frustrated? Why are you angry? You made the wrong choice. He doesn't say it like that. You can feel in the way he says it, like, Martha, Martha, you know, like a, a way like of love and compassion. And at the same time, uh, she sort of invites him to respond. So we, she will, he will have to give an answer, which is, okay, now I'm going to say what I actually think of it, which is not that I dislike you for serving me, but it's more at this point, and then that's his answer. First of all, you're worried and upset. 
you shouldn't be worried and upset about many things. Some translations uh, read actually, you know, a few things are needed, but many translations say only one thing is needed. That's what he actually also says here. But he says few things are needed, or indeed, or actually, one thing is needed. And that's what your sister chose. She chose the better part. She chose what is better, or the best. Um, and this will not be taken away from her. And then this answer, this last sentence, I think, is, is, is the message. You know, what does she choose? She chose to listen. And it can be translated two ways. You know, the better part will not be taken away from her. First of all, you could say he is warning uh, uh, Martha for don't prevent your sister to listen to me, to my words. Uh, but more likely, he's actually meaning here, and that's also how it's often translated, like this will not be taken away from her. So this is for sure not going to change. And why is it not going to change? It's because that what she chose has eternal value. Listening to the words of the Savior of the Lord, Jesus Christ, eternal, like the bread of life, what she did has only been taken away from. In a contrary to what you did, which by the self are not wrong, but you're occupied by all this, you could say, worldly things which will fade away, uh, they will go away. She chose what will have eternal value, which is listening to my words, sitting at my feet. And if we look, I guess, just in the, in the Gospel of Luke, but all of the, um, all of what Jesus is teaching, that's what he, what he's saying. You know, if you look at uh, Luke four, verse four, this is where Jesus uh, just received the Holy Spirit, and the dove came from heaven, and the first thing he does is going into the wilderness to spend time with God. So he practices exactly what he's teaching here: spending time with God, listening to God being there for 40 days, not eating, making sure he has fellowship, close with God. And then after those 40 days, Satan is obviously there and wanting to tempt him and saying, you know, you see this, uh, there's bread. Jesus being very hungry. I mean, I've never fasted for 40 days. But I can imagine you're very, very hungry and thirsty. And then somebody saying, well, you are the son of God. You could easily change this stone into a bread. And then Jesus says, and Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus knew that above all, you know, it's not that food by itself is wrong, or we, we are made as human beings to need that in a sense, but above all, we need to listen to God. First of all, we need to prioritize listening to his words, his life-giving words, which are more than, uh, you know, the worldly things, and as well, food. Um, Jesus knew that. Jesus exampled that. As well, we can read in Luke 12, 31, where Jesus says, after he has his whole speech about not to worry, not to worry about anything, not to worry about what you will wear tomorrow, what you will eat tomorrow, he says, but seek his kingdom first, and these things will be given to you as well. So, I think what we can learn from this in our daily lives, uh, first of all, if you look at Martha, uh, not that it's bad to serve, but to make sure what is your priority, what is the most important thing, what is the fundament of everything, which I believe is prioritized listening to God. And I think especially when we're busy, I find it harder to listen to God. 
get easily distracted, go through my life, doing my things I'm doing, but then I forget to have time and actually be still and listen to what God has to say. What does he want to do? And I believe the Sunday is an amazing day to do that, but I think God wants to do every day something. And every day he wants to say something, and he wants to use you, and he wants to have fellowship with you, but we need to allow him to speak. We need to give time for that, you know, not neglecting everything, but make sure that that's the fundament. That's the first thing we do. And besides that, we often can think of that we might be on the right track, you know, as Christians, we're doing all these things in church, we're surfing, we do all these beautiful things, lights, etc. And then by themselves, not wrong, I think they can have a, uh, a good purpose to serve. But that we can think that we're on the right track, we can think we're doing it right, like Martha did, and we all understand, looking from it like, yes, she was doing the right thing. But Jesus wants you to tell you, hey, at this point, this is what I'm asking for you. Or at this point, this is what you should prioritize. And maybe that is serving. And maybe that is listening or taking time or, you know, rechanging your life. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, the challenge here is a bit, at least for myself, and I thought, uh, you know, before of this, I thought, you know, this is during the holiday season. I know that not everybody has holiday. For me as a teacher, I'm in a blessed position that I have. But even if you don't have, I think it might be a good time for yourself to think, hey, just check, do I prioritize listening? Do I give enough time for God to speak into my life? Do I not easily get distracted? I feel sometimes, I don't know who, that I wake up and the first thing I do is grab my phone. And I really see like, uh, it sort of starts to feel almost like an addiction. Like even I notice now that I'm doing it and I still find it hard to say, okay, no, you know what? Just thank God first before I'm gonna grab my phone, see what's happening, check my work, check my WhatsApp. You know, it's those little things. And I think for everybody, that can be something different. That can be maybe rechanging their Sunday of how we, how we do those things. Um, a pastor and a neighbor uh, of us and a friend who lives close to us, uh, we live in Marsen, uh, he got a burnout as a pastor. And he, uh, um, after that, he went out of ministry for a while. And now he's pastoring again a smaller church but he made a big change, and that was instead of working five days, working a lot, he said, I'm going to work three days. It's a smaller church, so he didn't need to be working more. Uh, not everybody is in that position to do that, but he is in that sense. Uh, this it does mean that he might not uh, have the, uh, the fanciest car or anything, but he made that change, and now he has, worked, for example, time to mentor me. But not only that, he's living in our neighborhood, he has time to just go to the neighborhood, have time to talk to people, have time to help people who came from other country and need help with all the papers filled in, uh, help teach the kids to speak another language. And he said, Jelle, you know, you come when you have time because you're busy, you have a family, all of that. But he created time for himself, first of all, not to be distracted and worried and about all these things, but to have enough time to have peace, to think, God, where am I going? And that's something for myself as a challenge to say, okay, how can I create time to do that? So I want to finish off with a, uh, a story of while I was on the ship. Um, uh, so I was on the ship for two years, two, to f yeah, two years, mo mainly Southeast Asia. And while being in, uh, in uh, Malaysia, uh, one of the tougher countries for being able to share the gospel, this was a bit tricky there, uh, I decided with a couple of friends to... Uh, to do a faith trip, so, so we called it. 
So we went out for three days, we took a couple of furlough days, and the thing we said was, you know what, we're going to go out, we just take our clothes uh, and a guitar, and that's it. No money, no food, no drinks, nothing, and we're just going to go around, pray, and ask what God wants to say. And this was a little bit that came up to me after Anita finished last week with about loneliness and how we can get God involved and ask him what does he wants to uh, do. And I thought, I had to think of this story. So anyway, um, so we basically just prayed, God, where do you want us to go? And what do you want us to do? And uh, I could speak for hours about that, what happened those three days. And only that is for me already. I was speaking with a friend yesterday at a wedding I didn't see for eight years from the Christian Student Union. He doesn't believe anymore. And I said, you know, and it came to the point of saying, uh, why didn't he not believe? Is And I said, you know, the reason why I believe is not only the theory, because that's sometimes complicated, but the thing I believe is because I've experienced him, and that's something which cannot be taken away from me at all anymore. And um, those three days, for example, if I look back to that, whatever happens in my life, if, if I look back to that, I know this is true, because there were things happening I couldn't, I couldn't orchestrate myself. We ended up at a river, for example, and I, we, had to, we felt like God saying, you need to go to the other side. We didn't have any food, so we just stayed there. I spoke with a man who came sit next to me, and he, and he spoke about his sons going to the uh, mosque. It was mainly a, a Muslim country. I spoke with him very, very long. And just only that thing, we had three weeks or two weeks later, we organized with the ship ministry to have a, a movie about Jesus in a cinema. We, we, adver we advertised all of that, and so three weeks later, we thought, okay, lots of people are going to come, and we went there, and there was nobody, nobody in the whole cinema came, uh, except after two minutes in, this little old man of a town of, I don't know how much, half a million people came in, the man I spoke, and, said, and he was there sitting, listening to the full gospel, and uh, the only thing I might have done is maybe give him a flyer of the ship. But for me, only that was already like, how is that possible? The same night, another friend got woken up by a police officer and said, this is very dangerous what you guys are doing here, sleeping. Just make sure you have, you have some money here. Uh, you can sleep somewhere. So we got money, money for us to go to the other side because you need to pay for that. We ended up at the two guys at the parking lot, walking up to them. And um, we found out quickly they were not just chilling there, but they basically were dealing drugs. So there were scooters coming on, off and go. And we got to spend the whole day with them, sharing not only with them, but all the people who came. And one thing I very much remember, there was one girl, uh, and officially you're not allowed to share the gospel in Malaysia, uh, not to the Malay, the, the Muslim. Um, this were all Malay. And um, we were sitting there, sharing a bit of the gospel, and we had so, that's the thing we built, did bring, some Bibles. And some guys went off because they wanted to leave. And then this girl came quickly walking back to us. And she said, you know, I'm actually being a Christian for a while uh, in secret. Uh, please do you have a Bible for me? So we were able to, to give a Bible to her and uh, bless her quickly. And she, she walked off. And um, the whole point I wanted to make is I know, I know we can live that lifestyle if we have work and all of that. But I do think even if we give ourselves a bit more space, you know, coming back from work, having time to say a bit more than hi to your neighbor, have a bit of time for the Holy Spirit to work through you, for yourself, for your family, whatever he wants to say to you, for your neighbors, that God will do great things. I really, really, I know for sure that's going to happen. 
we allow a bit of time, God can speak into our lives. And I want to finish off with uh, John 6.27. John 6, because I see my timer is finished. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And this whole John 6 you can read is about Jesus speaking of being the bread of life and him being the bread of life and, you know, believing in him and trusting in him. That's the only thing we really need to do. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.